says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female, created he, them. I want to talk on the subject title this morning for a subject, God and man, God and man. God and man. The Bible says that God made man in his own image, in his own likeness. So that means that there are some similarities when God made Adam in the garden that can be found in God himself. When you see the word let us make man in our image. That word image means to mirror. So God had in his mind that when you saw Adam, you would be seeing God. That's why Jesus tells us that when you see me, you have seen the Father. Making the connection to the first Adam Versus the second Adam. And so Jesus, who is that second Adam, says, when you see me, you have already seen God. And so now God in Genesis chapter 1, he says, let us make man in our image. That means that in his mirror, that when you saw God, uh, you would see, uh, see Adam, rather, you saw God. And then he says, after our likeness of there are some similarities that God are attributes that God passed on to Adam that God gave Adam. Notice verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And that's written this way because Adam the man was created first. And God then made the male and the female created he them, or as is written here, noticing that both was created in the image of God. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. God was teaching Adam. One of the amazing things in the study is, is that when you look at this thing here, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you see how God was teaching Adam. Adam was being taught by God. God taught him about biology. That's why he tells Adam, you be fruitful and multiply. Then he goes on, look at the verse number, latter part of a sentence there, phrasing that verse, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that, that move it up the earth. Not only God was teaching him about biology, but he was teaching him about wildlife. Then you go to verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth. Adam didn't come out knowing all of these things. He had to spend some time with his God to find out these things. He says, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, of all the earth, rather, and every tree in, the, in, which, in the which the fruit of the tree yielding seed. Uh, to you it shall be, God was teaching him about not only biology and wildlife, but God was also teaching him about agriculture, about, about fruits and, and about seeds and God was teaching him about plants and, and about animals. God uh, was teaching Adam all of these things. I want you to know that when God made Adam, the first thing that Adam saw was his maker, was his creator, was his God, was his father, and his parent. God was all of those things to Adam. When uh, he didn't have time to see all that other stuff. Because when God made him, remember, he didn't have life in him. He didn't have life until God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And, and God breathed in him to, uh, into him the breath of life. The Bible says that man became what? A living soul. Oftentimes we... We look at men and we look at women and we separate them by their genders. But one thing we have to understand, which has no gender, is the spirit of man. I don't have the time to get into all of that today. But that's not a male spirit and a male or female spirit. That's, that's male gender and female gender, the body. But the spirit that God placed in us is not male in spirit. The body, the house that has the spirit that's the male, that's the female, but the spirit is breathed into man by God, and that spirit that lives inside of us gives you, gives you life. So the first thing he saw was his, his creator, his maker, his God, his father, and his parent. Now, ladies, now we love you. We love you. Uh, and I want you to know that oftentimes we, we say that Eve is the mother of all living. Amen, somebody. Why y'all listening this morning? Eve is the mother of all living. That's what her name means. But Adam is the father of all living. Hello, somebody. Eve is not the mother of all living. Adam did not come from Eve. Eve came from Adam. Adam is the father of all living. And when you saw Adam, God wanted you to see who he was. Matter of fact, God had in his mind that every father, would look like God. That was what was in the mind of God in the beginning of time, is that every man that comes from Adam 
would mirror who God was. And what Adam had done in the garden affected every living human being that lived after him and that lived even on today. But I want you to know that when he was made, he saw his maker, his creator, his God, his father, and his parent. Now, ladies, I don't mean no harm on today, but the man is the father in the house. Let me straighten out this tower here. Take a little time. Let you. Let you. The man is the father. <laughs> now, what that means is that Adam was to parent everybody in his house. Y'all still all right? Well, all the ladies are sitting up with chest high. They look like, come on, let's, what, what else you got to say? God was Adam's parent. He was to mirror his God. When God placed Adam in the garden, he was the father over everything in that garden. That word father has similarity to the word parent. It was Adam's job to parent everybody in the garden. And it should have not been reversed. When you do it like God say do it, it will always work out like God said, is going to work out. It is the man's responsibility to parent his entire house. I know, sisters, he ain't my daddy. He's not your daddy, but he is your father. He parents you. Ooh. <laughs> I should have a bulletproof vest this morning. He is your father. Everybody in the house, he parents. Must I say that it is a blessing to be a father? Ooh, man, I tell you, amen, preacher. It is a blessing to be a father. It is a blessing to be a father. But must I say, it is a burden to be a father. Well, I wish I had some fathers in the house. It is a good thing to be a father. You can enjoy a number of things as being somebody's father. But I stopped by today to tell you that just as it is good to be a father and it is a blessing to be a father, it is a burden. God gave the responsibility to the fathers. Come on, sisters. Help a preacher out. HBO up in here. Help me out. I ain't going to keep you long this morning. Help a preacher out. God gave the responsibility 
to the fathers. It is the father's responsibility. Let me say this. The man should never put the financial load on his wife. I, I don't care. I, I don't, and, and I'm not talking about the numbers. I'm not talking about how much money you make. Sometimes your wife will make more money than you. That's all right. I'm not fighting that. If she make more money than me, fine. God bless her. Keep on bringing the dough. I ain't got no problem with that. But all I'm saying is the burden should never be on the woman financially. That burden was given to the man. He is responsible for the financial. He is responsible for the physical. He is responsible for the emotional, psychological, social. He's responsible for all of those things. He's responsible for the spiritual. God didn't give that to the woman. God gave that to the man. And when God gave it to the father or the, or the, or the parent, <laughs> in the house, he was to give it to everybody else beside him in the house. God gave it to him first. God didn't give it to Eve. God gave it to Adam. And it was Adam's responsibility to share it with his wife. If you, if you, if you saw a man, I mean if you would look at a man, I'm, I'm talking about the inner being of a man. A man, you would see him with his hands up high because he represents the head of the house. He holds that house together. Ooh, I tell you. His feet would be concrete because he has to stand on solid ground. His hands would be up. His feet would be concrete in solid ground because he needs to stand on solid ground because he never knows what's coming his direction. His hands is holding up because he's the head of the house. His feet is concrete in God because he's the foundation of the house. I want to say something. I want to say something. I want to say something here. And I got my little writings over here. So don't, don't, don't blame it to me. Blame it on my writings, all right? You will never value the value of a man until he's dead and he's gone. When somebody else is holding up something for you, you don't feel the weight and the pressure of it. I know what I'm talking about. You can't value him. I didn't say you won't appreciate him. But you will never ever be able to value the value of a father until he's dead and he's gone. Woo, it's quiet up in here. When you exchange places with a father and you have to get underneath that house and you have to bear the load, the weight, feet concrete in solid ground. Folk underneath and in that house cannot feel the pressure of the house because they are surrounded by the strength of the father. 
who holds up the house. When the winds blow, he shields it off. When stuff fall from the top, his hands are holding it up. When the earthquake shakes the ground, his feet is on solid ground. He may toss to and fro, but everybody else in the house is going to reap the benefit of the father who holds that house and feet who is on solid ground of the house. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> when your husband dies, pray God he does it anytime soon, you feel the weight. In all aspects of life, because now what he held up is now placed on you to hold up. Oh, but go on and preach a little lesson, Brother Bill. They, they ain't with you this morning. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. I'll preach it anyhow. He's a blessing. Everybody who has a father, you ought to enjoy your father. Come on, sister, say amen. You had your day already. You done had your day already. Come on now. Let's just praise these men. If you had, you got a father, it's a blessing to have a father. Everybody don't have no father. But if you got one, it's a blessing. But to be a true father, it becomes a burden. It is the responsibility of that man to take care of his house. Can I say this? We live in a fake world. <laughs> this is a fake world. <laughs> you have, don't blame it to me, blame it on my paper. This is a fake world. You have in Hollywood fake lines, fake songs, fake movies, fake Hollywood. We now have become and have in our lives a fakeness or fake kind of syndrome inside of us. We have been uh, polluted and diluted with fakeness to the point where people think God is fake. Where people think the devil is fake. Where people think, I'm talking about we've been polluted and diluted with fakeness. God is fake. The devil is fake. Heaven is fake. Hell is fake. Church is fake. The Bible is fake. Christians are fake. Everything is just fake in this old world. We live in a fake kind of world where you might not believe the Bible, but I do. You know why I believe the Bible? Because the same foolishness they were doing in the Bible, they're still doing it right now. I can believe it. I believe Adam in the garden. I believe Adam in the garden. Y'all remember Adam in the garden? I did say God was teaching Adam. That's what he was doing. He was teaching Adam. That's why God came down in the cool of the day to spend time with him, to teach Adam about agriculture, teach him about family life, teach him about biology, teach him about wildlife. How in the world did you think Adam knew how to name every animal in the garden? God taught that man. Amen, somebody. If you don't spend time with God, then there are some things you're going to be ignorant of. I need you to know that I believe everything in that Bible. 
Because when I look at some of the stuff that happened in the Bible, it's still happening today. Adam was told by God, don't you eat from that tree in the midst of the garden. What did he do? Men today will push aside what they know to be right based on what a woman tell you. Y'all ain't got the same in this right anyhow. Adam knew he shouldn't have eaten from that tree. But when Eve says, baby, take a bite. He pushed aside what God told him not to do. Men today are still failing to think when a woman is talking to you. It's like everything you've been taught. You forget. Oh, I wish I had a church in here. What else you have on here, preacher? Let's see. Abraham went into Egypt, met the king. Oh, his wife was given to the king. They asked him, Who is this woman? Abraham said, That's my sister. Some truth and some lie equals a lie. He said, that's my sister. When the king find out, found out who she was, the king went to Abraham and said, why didn't you tell me that this was your wife? You're going to mess around, put a curse on us. Why he did it? Because he feared. He feared what would happen next. Ask yourself when you lie, why you lie, because you fear what's going to happen next. So you feel that you have to lie, that the stuff that you think going to happen next won't happen next. Because if I just tell the lie, it's going to take away everything else. No, it's going to make everything else worse. Because when you only tell the truth, you might still get in trouble, but at least you'll be set free. Abraham, Abraham lied. Well, Solomon, Solomon, by the way, people are still lying today. Solomon had 700 wives. <laughs> 300 concubines. If men could have 700 wives today, some of them would. When wife number one mess up, take not take 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 a servant, get wife number one, give bring wife number two in. When wife number two start <laughs> servant, get wife number two, bring in wife number three. When wife number three start acting up, take away wife three, bring me wife four. He had seven hundred of them. And then he had three hundred concubines on the side. Now, I want to say something. Now, that might work. That might work with some other ethnicity and race, but I don't think that's going to work with these sisters. I, I really don't. I don't think a sister going to go for that, not when she's been Americanized. One or none at all. 
But Solomon, y'all, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. History says Solomon died around 60 years of age. I see why. 700. Oh, but watch this now. Pay attention. What Solomon suffered from, some men are still suffering from now. He had a lustful syndrome in him. He was lustful just like his daddy. Well, y'all ain't going to say amen now, huh? That's what's driving the world today, a spirit of lust. Watch them when they come outside. Oh, look at them. There it is. There it is. There it is. Lust is everywhere. Let me get on back over here. Y'all are you going Oh, that, y'all, it just, it brought me here to David. That's what happened. It brought me here to David. Here's David. He's on the rooftop of his house. His army is fighting in a war, but he's back home. There was a woman taking a bath. Somebody said Bathsheba should have covered herself up. Well, David should have looked and looked away. Stop blaming it on the woman. Men, stop blaming it on the woman. Well, she enticed me. She seduced me. Amen, somebody. But she didn't. <clears throat> you played a part in it too. David is on the rooftop of his house. Bathsheba is taking a bath. Don't blame Bathsheba for taking a bath. The woman can take a bath. David looked. But he looked and he wasn't satisfied. Sisters, don't get mad at us, brethren. There ain't nothing wrong with looking. But don't go too far. Adam, I mean, David, David saw her, but the look wasn't satisfied. He wanted to look, and then he wanted to touch. Hello, somebody. Y'all ain't going to work with me this morning, but, but that's all right. Listen, David went too far. A look did not satisfy him, Brother Young. He talked to somebody who knows. Because some of y'all other men ain't going to act right. He went too far. The look didn't satisfy him. He wanted a touch. And so he asked his servant, who there over there? <laughs> David, now you are a married man, but who there over there? Ooh, boy, y'all quiet. Kemp over there hiding behind the other sister. Ain't saying a word, but you're being smart. David went too far. That's Uriah. Matter of fact, that's Bathsheba. Now, y'all, let's be honest. Bathsheba was a bad woman. <laughs> oh, I ain't gonna help. Let's see Brother Brown. Are you all right? Folk, Brother Harden, Brother Gal. Listen, Bathsheba 
was a brick house. I'm just being honest. I'm talking about what the scriptures was talking about. Bathsheba was beautiful. And when David saw her, I got to have Bathsheba. That's all right. I, 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 listen, I, I, I'm going to stop right there with that. Y'all ain't going to help me. He went too far. He slept with her. They had a child. Then he took the man off of the battlefield. Bathsheba, that's Uriah. That's Uriah's wife. Uriah is in your army. He's fighting on the battlefield, right? He's fighting for you, David. That's, that's his wife. Go get her. Bring her over here. Amen, somebody. Then when he found out she was expecting a child, he called Uriah off of the battlefield. Let's drink and let's have a good time, just me and you. Just let, let, let's eat and let's drink. Look, I like Uriah because David got him drunk, but he still had some sins. He knew better to go back to his house. He would not leave David. He, did, he would not leave him. Then David says, I can't get rid of this man. Let me tell you something. When you start stepping in sin, it's like what I used to step in when I was coming up. You know, when you, when, you, when you had cattle, and I didn't, and my grandpa didn't, but the white man had it behind his house, and, and the cattle was there behind my great-grandfather's house, and what we would do is we would cross the fence, and we would go where the cattle was, where the bulls and, and the cows were, and we would walk, and there used to be cow manure down there. One of the things about cow manure, it looks hard at the top, and you think that it's all right to step in. But what we found out is when we stepped in that thing, it followed us all the way back in the house. So what I need you to understand, when you step in sin, it is very difficult to. David tried to get rid of his sin, but he could not. David says, I tell you what, I tell you how I get rid of it. Let me get rid of the man. If I can do away with Uriah, then I can do away with. But God sees everything. Y'all, can I say something? Y'all know God can see in the dark, huh? Some folk think that the Lord can't even see in the dark. You think you so good moving in the dark. God see you in the dark. <laughs> he had that man killed. He had that man killed. Y'all, that's the same David who killed Goliath. Peter, I like old Peter. Well, Peter was just, I mean, he just kept messing over and over and over and over again. Peter denied Jesus three times. I mean, I mean, we could say what we want. If you're part of my inner circle, I'm, I'm wanting you to stand up for me. If you're part of my inner circle, I want you to stand up for me. Do you know the man? I don't know him. Uh, you, you know, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't know him. Oh, you, you, you know him. Your, your, your speech give you away. And then he got a little upset. Why are you getting upset, Peter? And then the rooster goes to crowing. And then he goes off and he weeps bitterly. Peter seems like he always was falling on his face. Time he was sitting with the Gentiles. Paul and the Jews made their way in. He saw Paul and the Jews come and he jumped up away from the Gentile from eating from the table. Like he ain't never 
And then the other brethren saw him. And then he called some other brothers to stumble because of his action. And then the apostle Paul saw him. Paul wasn't one of them preachers who would run around and hide and talk about you behind your back. Paul went to his face and he told another apostle, he said, you were wrong for what you did. Amen, somebody. That's what, that's what Paul did. He came to him. My point is, Paul, or Peter rather, was always fault. And then he was prejudiced. He didn't like Gentiles. No, he didn't like them. God wanted him to go preach to one. He was like, God, are you sure? No, nah, nah, you, you sure? He didn't like them. Was always falling. But you know what? On the flip side, as I come to a close, I like old Adam. You ought to try to be a father like Adam. You know, you don't read too much about Adam after the last part of Genesis, Adam and Genesis. You don't read too much about him. God, God didn't, didn't tell you uh, about him and the rest of his life. You don't need to know uh, the rest of his life. But I like Adam when God came to him. You remember when he was in the garden and God came to Adam after they ate the fruit? And, uh, and I know some of y'all want to say an apple, but the Bible didn't say an apple, y'all. I heard a preacher the other day say that he ate the apple. Well, God ain't never told us it's an apple. It might have been a peach. It might have been a pear. I don't know what it was, an orange or, or something, right? We don't know what it was, but he ate from the fruit. And when God came to him, when he was hiding, God came asking for him and he said, Adam, where are you? And then, you know, he started talking to God. He said, uh, he said you know, I'm, I'm naked. Watch this. He said, I'm naked. God knew something was wrong because God had never taught him that. He didn't get around to that yet. <laughs> God says, who told? Who told you you were naked? God said, before you can let him talk, God said, did you eat from that tree? The woman you gave me. Hello, somebody. Did you eat? From that tree, Adam, it's a yes or no, Adam, the woman you gave me. That's not my question. It's amazing when you do something wrong, it's like a light bulb come on. Huh? Come on, somebody. It's like a light bulb come on in your head. It's a, it, you, you know something ain't right. But I like, I like old Adam because he told God the truth. Yeah, he told God the truth. God knew he ate from that tree. And then he had them little leaves on him, right? He had them little leaves on him, like, like Tarzan and, and Jane. He had them leaves on him. You ought to be like Adam because Adam told the truth. You ought to be like Noah because Noah was a righteous preacher. You might not be a preacher today, but you can still be right. Noah was right. I didn't say, and the Bible don't tell us that Noah was blameless. It didn't tell us that Noah was sinless. It told us Noah was righteous. You can be sinless and still be righteous. Not only like Noah, but we can be like, oh, Abraham. I like Abraham because Abraham was faithful. You know, Abraham did not know where he was going. 
But y'all, you don't need to know where you're going just as long as you're going with the Lord. He, he didn't know where he was going, but he was going with the Lord. We need to be faithful men. We need to be faithful to our God. Don't tell anybody this. When you are faithful to God, you will be faithful to everybody else. Your wife, your children, your job, your neighbors, you will be faithful to everybody else because you cannot be unfaithful to everybody else and still be faithful to God. I like old Adam, I like old Noah, I like old Abraham, but I like Moses because Moses was obedient. You know, Moses was leading the children, the children, the children. <laughs> he was leading the children of Israel, y'all. They were children in the eyes of God. He was leading the children of Israel. And when Moses, when Moses found himself in a roadblock, you know what Moses did? He took him to his parents. He took them to their God. And you know what Moses would tell God? This people, this people, this people. Every time you got a problem with your house, men, you ought to take it to your God. Tell God about it. Go pray to God. Guess what? Because all of us belong to the Lord. This church don't belong to me. Y'all not my people. Y'all God's people. I'm a messenger for God to speak to your hearts. Your job is to receive or reject. If you receive it, praise God. If you reject it, praise God. But the end of the night comes, uh, y'all belong to God. Y'all God's people. And if y'all ain't going to change for God, I know sure and well you ain't going to change for me. But he took him to God. I like Moses because Moses was obedient. But then not only Moses, I like, I like David. I know, I know we just got through talking about him, but I like him anyhow because David was a man after God's own heart. I like David because David was not too big, too proud to beg. When David understood he messed up, can I say something? Can I say something? Can I say something? <laughs> you know, <laughs> David sinned, y'all. Sin will cloud your mind. Sin will cloud your mind. David had sinned. Remember, y'all, Bathsheba what? Was expecting. She had the kid, but the baby died. It takes nine months. I know seven sometime and eight, but you know, nine. History says David was in his sin from about nine months to 12. That's a long time to be in sin. I'm talking about a man who was king and prophet. How are you going to sin and be the king and the prophet and be in your sins nine months to a year and don't repent of that sin? Hello, somebody. Sin will make your heart hard. And he did not see himself. Somebody said, oh, Brother Phil, I know he knew he was messed up. Yeah, I'm not telling you that David didn't know what he did was wrong. David knew it was wrong. But if you don't do something with sin in its early stage, sin will do something with you in the late stages. It'll harden your heart. 
and David become all, he became comfortable with what he did until Nathan came to him. And Nathan had to make him see himself. Boy, sometimes people have to make you see yourself. I know you may be the father. I know you may be the man. I know you may be the parent in the house. But I stopped by today to tell you, sometimes folk have to make us see ourselves. Just because you father does not mean that you're always right. Just because you're head and foundation does not mean that you can't slip up and make a mistake. I like David. When he found out, when he found out about himself, you know what he did? He says, okay. He says, I'm, he said, I was wrong. Check out Psalms 51 when you get a chance. David, man, poured himself out to God. He said, I was wrong. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for I have sinned. I like God, too. God is just. God is just what he does. You know what God did? I like him. I thank God. God said, I tell you what, David, come here. I know you king and prophet. You belong to me. Here's what I'm going to do for you, David. Here's the deal. You ready for this? I'm going to let you live. But that child is going to die. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, God is a just God. Everything he does is right. Somebody say, oh, why did God take the child? It was right for God to take the child rather than to take David. The child was pure. The child didn't have any sin, but David did. God says, I'm going to let you live. Oh, it's a blessing to be a father. But it can also be a curse to be a father. God told David, he said, I'll let you live, David. He said, but the sword will never leave your house. You know what God was saying? Your house going to become a curse. And oh boy, was it. See, you can't do stuff, y'all, and just think y'all going to get scot-free. You know, you're just going to run scot-free away. It might not catch you now. Hello, somebody. But keep living. God will let you live to experience your consequences. He might save you. You might go to heaven, but you're going to experience some consequences. Oh, you can say, Father, I've sinned. Won't you forgive me? Yes, I'll forgive you. But you got to face some consequences. We don't like consequences. We want to ask for forgiveness and take away our consequences. God say, oh, no, no, I'm too just for that. I'm going to forgive you. But you're going to have to deal with some consequences. Watch this here as I hasten on. I like old, I like old Elijah. Elijah, remember he came to God and he basically said, I want to die. He says, I had enough of this. He said, I want to die. He, he, he didn't feel like a prophet anymore. You know, when a man don't feel like a man, that's a horrible feeling. Hello, somebody. When a man don't feel like a man, that's a horrible feeling. One of the worst things a wife a woman, a mother can tell her husband, you're not a man. That's one of the worst things you can tell a man. You ain't no man. 
He might not be what you want him to be. But he's still a man. And, and, and especially when he don't have the kind of money he's trying to make. Ooh. Your job as a woman is to build your man. Ooh, I just need to run out the door. They won't let me out. They won't let me out. Your job as a woman, as a mother, as a wife is to build your husband. The world is going to attack him from every angle. You don't have the world. They're going to try to tie him down, down there. But your job as a wife, as a mother, as a woman is build your man up. That's the strongest thing you got going for you in your life is your man. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you. Oh, let me go ahead here. Let me go ahead. Peter again. I like Peter because Peter fell time and time again. But you know what I like about him? He had a drive about himself. Peter had a drive about himself. You know, he, you couldn't kill Peter. Peter just kept going. He would mess up time and time again. But God, God's son told him, he said, Peter, I'm, he said, the devil trying to get you. He said, but you know what? I, I, I prayed for you. You know, the devil, if he can get Peter, he knew he can get one of the best mouthpieces that were out there. Peter was going to talk to people about the Lord. The devil tried to, if you are an asset for the church and you are, the devil is going to try to cut you off, discourage you, cause you to think that you're not what you are. But Peter kept pressing. My last example is a man by the name of the Apostle John. I like old John. Old John says, my little children. Boy, that does, does it sound like a father? They say when John was old, he say he couldn't do too much talking in the church. They say they used to bring him up to the front of the church. There, perhaps in Ephesus, and allow him to talk to the church. He couldn't do what he wanted to do like he used to do, but they would take him. I, I'm most sure they had a good bit of brethren there, and the brothers would take old John and, and take him there and allow him to preach maybe maybe 10 minutes to the church. His body wasn't what it used to be. Well, John said, my little children, sin not. He said, but if you sin, he says, you got a, an advocate with the Father. What you need to understand as a man is you are going to fall. You are going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. But you got to get up again. There are plenty of fathers who are dying in the streets because they failed and their woman didn't pick them back up. There are plenty of men with bottles in their hands used to have a good job on the corners now, on crack cocaine, used to have a good job, used to live in a nice neighborhood, had a pretty family, but he fell one day and there was nobody there to pick him up again. 
Ooh, I tell you, why are we so critical in the church? When people fall, it is our job to go give them a hand, to pick them up again. Why is it that we glory in somebody else's fall? Why is it that we glory in somebody else's pain? Why is it that we glory in somebody else's struggle? Why we criticize and it gives us pleasure to criticize somebody else? I like God. I like God. I'm closing now. I like God. You know what God did? He's just. God is just. I said he's just. You got to like God. He's just. And I believe that's why if we stay in this thing called Christianity, we're going to be saved. But you got to stay in it. You got to stay in it. When Adam sinned in the garden, God kicked his child out the house. He God, but he's also his father. He's his father, but he's also his parent. Adam didn't have no mama and no daddy. God was his only parent. And when he sinned, God kicked him out. And then I like what God did. God, y'all, you got to pay attention to this. God could not tell him only, don't go back in the garden. <laughs> he had to put an angel there. Why? Because Adam and Eve was going to find themselves back in the house. Watch this. Your mother lives and father live out of state. You are in their house. You mess up. They tell you don't go back in the house. You think you ain't going back in the house? You going back in the house. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put an angel there. And then he says, I, I can't just put an angel there because Adam may challenge the angel. I want you to use your head. He put an angel with a sword to cause Adam you don't challenge this angel. You don't go back, God. God means what he says and says what he means. Even if he got to put an angel with a sword to put fear in your heart. Sometimes God got to put fear in our hearts. I'm telling you, God got to put fear. Some of us won't listen any other way until God put fear in your heart. He got to bring you to the doctor's. You got the doctor, you got to, got, got, the doctor got to tell you some news you, you wouldn't expect it to hear. God got to put fear in your heart. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't going to help me. He got to do it to turn you to where you need to be. But he stopped them there. Adam never went back in the Garden of Eden. God took the tree of life from the Garden of Eden. Revelation said there's two trees in heaven. I don't know how they look, but the Bible says there's two of them. <laughs> Y'all, let me tell you something. Our job is to get back to the tree. God and man. I mean, I don't know where you are today. 
But God has placed the responsibility on you. And if I'm you, I want to be like David. I want to be like, I want to be like old Peter. I want to be faithful to God. Because when you're faithful to God, you're faithful to everybody else. And you know what? When, you, when you're faithful to God, God will always be faithful to you. You can lose your job tomorrow. I guarantee it. You're going to be all right if you've been faithful to God. Because if you're faithful to God, he will be faithful to you. It will not fail. Sister Brock, when I say this verse, I like to look at you. David says, I was young. But he says, now I'm old. I ain't never seen the righteous forsaken. He never seen it with his own eyes. Your job is to be sure that you are righteous, not sinless, but righteous. You stay with God. God will stay with you. If you're not a child of God this morning, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ, putting them on in baptism for the remission of your sins, believing that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again the third day for you and for me, baptized into Christ, you'll become a member of his church, live faithful unto death. Heaven is going to be your eternal home. If you're a child of God, you got sin in your life this morning, why don't you say today, I'm going to make it right with my God. By saying, I have sinned and I ask the church to pray for me. God will forgive you and he will provide you with the strength that you need. If that's your desire today, don't let the devil keep you from being what God wants you to be. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation song. Why don't you come? Why don't you come?